welcome to the Checkered to Green podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever and wherever you're listening to this. This is From Checker to Green, the podcast all about racing is told by three lifelong racing fans and from time to time talking about the business aspects of racing, the green it takes to take the green. Welcome everyone to episode number 18. I am Elliot Tardiff alongside my colleagues, David Moddy and Ryan Kolpak. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Well, it's been a, uh, a warm and dry week down here in North Carolina and is going to be for some time. Uh, um, the uh, uh, little early summer heat wave that we've uh, been kind of in the middle of here with temperatures uh, eclipsing 90 degrees at times uh, is going to continue into next week and uh, could see some days uh, pretty well into the 90s uh, um, occasionally. So getting a taste of uh, late July and the first part of August now. So getting ready. Yeah, that's what we got up here is we're getting the, that taste of, you know, July, August, I mean, 80s this week. We, we've had it in Syracuse. It, it's been 80s, nice short weather, but really dry. Looking to hopefully get some rain this weekend, but um, next week, uh, you know, the seven days going to be 70s, 80s. So it looks like um, summer has arrived about a few weeks early here in central New York. Ryan, how's things with you? Oh, same to same here in Buffalo, as you gentlemen have so eloquently stated. It's been really warm, dry. And twice this week, we have actually tied high temperatures. So summer's come to visit in Buffalo as well. Very good. Would, would you believe one, one thing when if I said it almost felt like the, it was like 102 degrees in the sun, according to my one thermometer? When oh. the sun was being down on it? Yeesh. Yeah, so yeah, a you bit could, warmish that. Yeah, you could get a good, good. I mean, granted, I know the sun faces it, but at least it gives me a good idea of what it really feels like in the sun. But, Sounds yeah. good to me. I'm a warm weather man, so I'll take it. Yeah, uh, my cutoff's about a hundred. Yeah, can't be called unreasonable for that, I guess. Yeah, anything over a hundred, and I going quicker than a um, prairie dog out on the plane. Yeah, that's how you not roast. So I think that's sound decision-making. Oh, yeah. So we've had, we've actually had some um, action, you know, not a lot of racing action, but we've actually had some actual practice action going on, gentlemen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So the, uh, the first practice uh, sessions of the, uh, of the Indy 500, I guess, uh, I don't know if you'd call them speed weeks or not, but, um, but the practice for, for the 500 um, ran today, um, Friday, May 21st, um, and it was six hours long, and there was a, um, a lot of laps turned, a lot of headlines made already. 
um, more on uh, a couple of them from me and in, in my final thoughts later on. Um, but um, already starting to see who's got some speed and uh, who may need a little help and um, looking ahead to uh, some of the, uh, the future uh, practices when uh, uh, they get a little bit more, uh, more boost as well. So David, why don't you uh, walk us through what all happened today and, um, and who's looking fast and who's needing some help? Well, actually, there, it was it is like a little speed week here at Indy, Elliot. That is correct. Uh, it's you know month of May, Indy. Um, you know, if you remember in the nineties, eighties, you know back then, you know way back when too, um, even early two thousands, it used to actually be a um, month of May where they would have practices almost every day. You know, first week in May, track open up, but uh, the way IndyCar has gone, it's gone down to just one week of practice to qualify. Um, so practice one happened on May 18th, happened on the Tuesday. It was also rookie. Um, actually, there were two practices on May 18th. I do apologize which were Tuesday. The first one was in the morning. Second one was in the afternoon with um, a rookie orientation program, ROP, your refresher courses for your one offers um, just to get back to speed. So practice speed in on session one, Graham Ray Hall, Scott Dixon, Scott M McLaughlin were your top three. 223.499 was the fastest that day by Graham Rahal. And then in the afternoon, speed started to pick up a little bit more as drivers started to get comfortable with their cars. Will Power, Ryan Hunter Ray, and Takumo Sato, last year's winner of the 500, were the top three. 226.470 was the top speed that day. We then went to May 19th, and it started off pretty interesting. A photo op by the four Penske drivers before the track went green occurred, or before the track before the track was hot, um, hot meaning drivers up to speed. And it was Scott Dixon, Connor Daly, and Ed Carpenter were the fastest. The speed jumped up a little bit more. The fastest that day was 226.829, so a little bit more. And then May 20th, yesterday, was a very interesting day. Um, it started off, and Elliot will, as he mentioned, probably we'll talk about this more in our final thoughts, but it started off interesting. It was a hot track, and Ray Hall Lanigan or Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing, RLL, decided to do a photo op at the line, three abreast coming to the line to do like what Penske did when they went four abreast the day before. However, cars were starting to be up to speed. They were about 90, 100 miles per hour, getting up and um, Colton Herta saw a car was coming off into four starting cars slow down so he went to try to avoid and brush the wall um, and almost took out Scott McLaughlin it, it, the damage wasn't too bad 
but it could have been a much more severe accident. Um, and it, um, we, we'll talk about later, there were some pretty hot tempers and there was a result of that, um, I'll explain in a bit, but um, it was Tony Kanan, Connor Daly, and Santino Ferrucci um, were the top three, 225.341 was the, was the fastest by Kanan. Um, the event was actually that day was a little more interesting and probably contribute to why speeds were down too was one the track was hot but we did have a um uh, our first crash of practice this year where it was um um santino ferrucci he was starting to get in um qualifying trim mode starting to practice this is a day where they were starting to simulate qual runs and um he crashed, and when he came out, he he was he got out. He couldn't walk on his leg, so they took him to the infield care center. They that report then came out saying that he was going to Methodist Hospital for further evaluation. Out of the evaluations in Methodist, um, it came out later last night that he had a bruise on his leg. So all the concerns of were we going to be down to 34 drivers trying, were they going to try, were they going to have to find another, or they going to have to find a replacement? Um, those worries went away. The crew was there to about 4 a.m. repairing the car for today's practice, Fast Friday. Um, and as a result, of Fast Friday as a result of RLL's um, photo op, they got docked 30 minutes of practice time. They could not start until 12.30. So in the six-hour session, on this session, um, the cars actually crank up the turbo to practice qualifications more. So a lot of cars were, quali were practicing qualifications it was it was hot um, from what I heard. Sun was out, um, but Scott Dixon, Colton Herna, and Tony Kanan were your fastest. Two thirty three point three oh two was the fastest. Um, all but eight drivers cracked the two thirty mark. Um, some notables out of this, um, Alexander Rossi was seventh, 231863. Uh, Taku, uh, uh, Sato, Takuma Sato was eighth, 231.598. Connor Daly, um, 230.627 was 19th. Hinchcliffe was 17th at 230.817. Let's see here. Helio Castroneves driving for Meyer Shank Racing this year, 235.12. Your fastest rookie on Fast Friday was actually Pietro Filipaldi at 230.666. Scott McLaughlin, 230.415. R.C. Anderson, 226.005. And also to notate, um, Salmon or Simon Pagino, 229.792, and Simona DeVistastro, 229.477. So 
gentlemen, they're going to be starting to look for speed. Now, kind of a early indicator of what qualifying would be. Um, combined result of all sessions, everyone had the fastest speed in today because of the boost flared out. So, gentlemen, um, some quick thoughts about that, uh, about the speeds or what you think about with practice this week? Well, um, I think it's, um, it's pretty notable that um, it doesn't look like you have, um, with the exception maybe of, a, of uh, like a Tony Kanan, um, that you see, you know, any names that are kind of consistently towards the top of the hole. It is notable that um, in today's practice where, you know, they're doing upwards of 230 miles an hour, um, you're seeing Scott Dixon at the, at the top of that um, leaderboard again. Which so. you're not surprising. No. Um, I mean, I, I but, mean, two of the, I mean, literally it's in the top five. I can tell you Ganassi's got actually put his four cars in four of the top five spots. Mm-hmm. The only one who wasn't was Colton Herta. And, and he's starting to come along too with that. Yeah, he is. I mean, his dad has really given him a lot of support as strategist. That he has. Um, but trying to best the, the Ganassi cars, that's that's going to be a requirement to win the 500 this year, it looks like. Um, it looks like the, the Ganassi cars are the cars to beat again. Scott Dixon, doesn't matter whether, whether it's the oval, whether it's the road course, he always seems to find another gear here. And if you're going to win here, you've got to go through him in particular. What now? What about the um, Ryan? Your, your thoughts, really quick. There's not much I can say that Elliot didn't already point out quite eloquently. Again, Ganassi's top tier performance again at Indy has shown why. You know, he's constantly in the argument of, yeah, if you want to climb the mountain, you got to get past them. And I don't see that playing out any differently this year. And if somebody does manage to do that, it's going to put them in on the express elevator to the top echelon driver in IndyCar. Yeah. I mean, now, now look at this. Now, uh, Elliot, uh, you, you might remember this more, but you remember 80s, 90s. Penske always, like, had the top guys in, in, the, in practice. Mm-hmm. They, they would just set blistering paces. Look at in the past few years, I've seen it more difficult for them to get into that. And if you look at it, here's where their four drivers ended up. Um, 22nd was New Garden. 24th was McLaughlin. 29th was Power. 30th was Paginot. And New Garden, the, the highest was 230.497. So with that, I, it, it, I think it's going to be very interesting. And we'll talk more about that in, quali- when we, in our green segment when we preview qualifying. But I just wanted to make note of that <laughs> before our break. So with that said, you know, that, that was indie practice. 
we actually um, kind of condensed our checkered segment because it is kind of a quiet week, sort of. Go indie. <laughs> um, with that said, we've actually got a very good spotlight segment because we're going to talk about indie and something very breaking in the news that happened this week in the state of North Carolina. Ryan's going to tell us where you can hear us and our social media. This is From Checker to Green. The From Checker to Green podcast will be right back. Are you enjoying the show? Join the conversation. Look us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at From Checkered to Green Podcast. Is there a particular segment you enjoy? Tell us. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover? Let us know. It's your feedback that helps drive the show, so the more you tell us, the better our show can be. And if you're enjoying this episode, feel free to listen to the rest of our material. Find us at From Checkered to Green Podcast on podcast.com and Apple Podcasts. Hope to hear from you soon. And now, back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Thank you, Ryan. So our spotlight this week focuses on a couple of different things. Number one, obviously, the Indy 500 um, and that coming up and previewing uh, everything that's going on with that. Then we're also going to talk about some breaking news that come out of, uh, that's come out of North Carolina uh, just in this past week uh, that deals with um, some, some money that is uh, being proposed um, to be spent by uh, um, North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper um, as part of the uh, uh, state's uh, uh, federal COVID-19 money, uh, uh, COVID-19 relief money. So we're going to talk some more about that um, in this segment as well. But first, let's talk about Indy. Um, and let's talk about um, uh, the teams that are looking good, that that are, are threats to win and maybe some dark horses um, in the field too. So uh, David, take it away. Well, thank you, Elliot. So gentlemen, I'm actually going to, we're, we're going to do a little something different here. I'm going to, I've got the entry list here. We're going to kind of go through it. We're going to kind of talk about the teams and maybe some of the drivers. So let's, um, let's start off with the teams and tell me if you think they've actually got a good chance to take the poll, win the race, have a good day on um, on um, on, mem- or on, on the Sunday before Memorial Day on race day, or do you think? And um, and then we'll start talking about the drivers and kind of do the same thing but then maybe see who we think might not make the field because there's 35 entries so all right gentlemen let's start talking about the teams first we'll start with aj foyt racing you have hildebrand dalton kellett you have charlie kimball and sebastian borde what do you think about that team as whole and how they think you think they'll do qualifying race day or you think their chances, you know, give me your quick thoughts. Well, right now, if uh, practice speeds are, are any, any indication, um, they need a little bit of help. Um, you know, today's practice, 
it looked like uh, the majority of those teams were towards the bottom of the leaderboard. And in fact, Charlie Kimball um, was 34th quick today in practice. Um, obviously, that's not good uh, because there's 33 entries in the 500 and there are no provisionals. You've got to make it in on speed. So um, it'll be telling, um, you know, obviously whether or not there was tow, you know, cars were drafting or what have you, um, you know, it was a, a bit of a question mark, but at the same time, um, you know, it's still not a good thing to be well down the list. Um, and it seems like um, these, uh, the AJ Foyt teams uh, haven't really had too much um, uh, have had maybe some speed mm -hmm. um, case in point, looking at uh, board a being sixth quick um, in Wednesday's practice, but um, uh, some of the other uh, AJ Foy teams not doing too well um, in that same practice. And quite frankly, it doesn't look like they've done really well um, during the um, uh, the rest of practice to this point. So it looks like they've got a little bit of a hole to dig out of and their odds of winning the 500, um, relatively speaking, look pretty slim. I, I have to agree. They, they need to find something there for speed, most certainly, um, or else it's going to be a, a tough day for qualifying and a tough day on race day. Ryan, your thoughts? In agreement with both of you either when qualifying comes around they either pull out all the stops to try to get um midfield or better placement or i don't see the indy 500 being very fun for them this year all right so we're kind of in agreement there uh penske and i'm gonna tell you the drivers and we'll have you start with this one ryan it's new Joseph Newgarn, Scott McLaughlin. We have Simon Pagino, Will Power, and that is the four for that. Ryan, your thoughts on Penske? Penske's got a, a team of contenders, and their practice showed that I felt that they may have been playing it a touch on the conservative side just to get a feel for the cars and the tracks, but if they put on a solid performance in when practice rolls around, I, I see them possibly being a contender for the win. I, I would not sleep on them if I was a smart driver. Elliot, your thoughts? Well, they might be. Um, it is a possibility that they're playing possum um, because generally speaking, uh, the Penske cars to this point haven't really shown a whole lot of speed today's practice in particular. Um, but when we look at other uh, sessions earlier this week, in particular on Tuesday, um, you had a couple of Penske cars towards the top of the leaderboard, including Will Power, who paced the session that day. Um, in today's session, the fastest Penske car that was out there was New Garden in 22nd place. So that's another team that you need to, you know, they, they may be kind of not showing all their cards just yet. That's a possibility. But at the same time, if I'm a fan of, of Penske racing and, and their drivers, I want to see a little bit more speed out of them 
going into, especially um, going into qualifying, getting a, a good track position for the start of the race. And, um, you know, generally speaking, if you've got the speed there, it should carry over into the race and, you, and you'll be a contender there. So they're a team that, yes, you know, history says should contend, but to me, the, their, their position, um, especially in today's practice, puts a couple of question marks next to them. I, I have to agree. I mean, today's practice, especially with the boost, you, you know they're a favorite. My wor- I mean, my concern is, are they even going to crack the fast nine? Or if they do, how many? And, and that's going to be tough because if they can't crack the fast nine, they're not getting a shot Sunday for the poll. Um, it, it, it's going to be tough. It's, um, you know, I, I think the, the past few years, they've had more success when they could get somebody in the fast nine or on the front row, even the poll, i.e. Simon Pagino in 2019. But it is kind of concerning today that they weren't fast. So now I don't know if they were simulating more qualifying speeds and this may give a good indication where the, um, where everyone may fall in the poll, but I, I just don't know. And I, I like to say they're going to be a favorite, but if I had to rank them, I'd say they're maybe the third favorite as a team. Um, so I'll start, I'll start off on this one, Arrow McLaren SP. So that's the Schmidt Peterson is the SP and that's Pedo Award, Felix Rosenquist, and you got Juan Pablo Montoya. I gotta say, um, I, you know, Pedo Award, I think is carrying that team. He, you know, he's got a good shot to take the pole uh, or, or be up there. Um, I think they could have a good race day. Um, I, I just think we got to see how they fall, um, where they start. But it is a team that can be competitive um, and has been competitive throughout the years. So it, it will be very interesting to see what happens. And um, we are actually on almost the, um, you know, 1971 is when McLaren rolled out the wings at Indy. So, um, you know, they may have some history on their side, McLaren, but um, I, I, I think they could be a good team. Uh, Elliot, what do you think? Well, having Juan Pablo Montoya is kind of um... – uh, an elder statesman and a, a veteran of this series of many years, including a past Indy 500 win, um, is a huge boost to this team. Um, and it's, it's going to go a long way towards helping the team and the other drivers to perform at their best. And David, as you pointed out, Pato Award is definitely achieving highly. I don't necessarily know if I'd call it overachieving, um, but he's shown a lot of speed thus far. I agree with you. I think he could be um, in the conversation for the, uh, the fast nine on Sunday. Um, but uh, the other cars, they, thus far, they look solid. Um, they, but they don't look like 
race leading cars. So mm-hmm. um, they might be people that just kind of ride around in maybe say 15th, maybe 20th, bide their time um, and just wait for other people to make mistakes. And then they're there for at the very least a top 10 shot at the end. Yeah. Ryan, your thoughts? I'm thinking with uh, Juan Pablo Montoya's pedigree in the franchise and Pedro Award already tasting victories at Texas Motor Speedway, uh, then they're hungry for a win at Indy. And I think if uh, Pedro can continue to perform at the high level that he is, uh, he's always a threat for the easy top five. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I definitely agree with those points, gentlemen. Elliot, Meyer Shank, we'll let you start this one off. Meyer Shank racing helio castroneves looking for four wins and you have jack harvey your thoughts no no (laughs) (laughs) Um, as always sir we appreciate your honesty yeah wow that was blunt (laughs) yeah well no i mean they're they're um you know castroneves yeah obviously you know huge um pedigree huge record of success this track um, but he's not going to get a fourth win uh, with Meyer Shank. Um, they'll probably, um, you know, I see them here in today's practice. They were uh, they were twenty first quick um, uh, with uh, Castro Neves. Um, he was seventh quick uh, yesterday um, at a, a two twenty four. So, um, but he hasn't necessarily been at the the top of the leaderboard. Um, you know, which would suggest that he has a lot of speed and he's got a, a good car and car setup under him uh, consistently. So uh, I just, I don't see him uh, doing like achieving big things. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see him being around for a, maybe a top 15 at the end of the day, if um, uh, they keep themselves out of trouble. Uh, Jack Harvey, I kind of see the same thing out of him uh he's uh he was 16th quick today and in, in uh today's um uh boost bumped up practice um but um so i think both of those cars are are pretty safe to make the show but i don't know if they're gonna add much to the show on sunday yeah ryan your quick thoughts you know it, it's gonna be sound a bit harsh but unless they do something spectacular in qualifying and at the Indy 500 itself, I see middle of the field at best results for that team. Yeah. I, I, I definitely have to agree. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think Castro Nevis could put it, you know, put it middle of the field. I think they, they would be middle of the field qualifying um, middle of the field race day. Uh, but, the one, I mean, the one thing with Castro Nevis is that he does have that, um, he does have the experience and, and that may be what Meyer Shank needs is a, a good, um, you know, if they can get a good run with that, maybe that can help them out throughout the rest of the year. Um, Ryan, we'll start with you on this one, Chip Ganassi Racing, Scott Dixon, who has won at Indy. You got Alex Palou, uh, Charlie Kimball, 
And we got Tony Kanan driving the 48. Gentlemen, uh, Ryan, let's start with you on that. Full disclosure, if somebody on this team doesn't win the 500 this year, I'm going to be a bit surprised. Because you already got two members of his team that have already tasted victory this season. And Lord knows they proved in the practices that they are a well-oiled machine. So unless somebody's got some magic they want to pull out of a hat, it's going to be amongst this team that decides the winner this year. Ellie, your thoughts? I think Nassie's going to be um, is going to have at least a, a one to two cars in the fast nine. Um, I think Dixon is going to be the kind of captaining this team, uh, this entire four car team through the 500 into the 500 and will in all likelihood be one of the drivers to beat for uh, the 500 crown this year. So um, I, I'll, I'll give my thoughts. On, I definitely think they're going to be the contender. They're the top contender. They're, they're good in practice. I, th- I think they could put all four cars in the fast nine. Um, Andretti probably being the other one who probably put the most cars in there. Um, but I could see Dixon on the pole and I could see Dixon or Kanan or, um, you know, or Alex Palou doing it, um, winning Indy. I, or Erickson, I mean, I, 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 you know, they just got good equipment under them and Ganassi, um, Kind of is probably taking a page of the Andretti dominance that was happening in like the early 2000s. Um, I think this is, you know, I think they're definitely a contender for that. Um, the next one is Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. I'll start off with that. That's Graham Ray Hall. Um, Takuma Sato, last year's winner and He's a two-time winner there in Santino Ferrucci. Um, I don't know. Um, they, they're kind of a, a surprise team to me. They've, um, I mean, Takumo Sato was, the, was a, almost a surprise at the end. They, they kind of figure things out race day, maybe not best on qualifying. Um, I, mean, I mean, Sato was the fastest today out of that group, but I think it will be very interesting to see um, how they do, how they come back with, you know, how they um, run, you know, it'll be interesting for qualifying. I think middle of the field for qualifying, but I think race day, they could all be near top 10. My only concern is I think Santino Ferrucci could be on the bubble. And the reason I say that is I'm a little concerned on how his bruise is on his, on his leg. Um, we'll have to see how that leg injury holds up tomorrow. Um, I, it's, you know, he was 14th, but they kind of were taking it a little slower today. Um, we'll, we'll see how, we, how he does that. Elliot, your thoughts on them? Um, I think this is a boomer bust team. Mm-hmm. Um, as you pointed out, David Sato, he's won this race twice. Um, and to me, he's a spectacular driver. And mm-hmm. I mean that in a good way and a bad way. Um, 
he can either succeed spectacularly or he can fail spectacularly. And we've seen it go both ways um, with him, not only at Indy, but at other races too um, throughout his career. So, um, so I think he's, he's very much a question mark. Uh, Graham Rahal, it's, it's tough to tell with him because um, if memory serves, he really didn't get much. Um, uh, he didn't get to show much in last, uh, was it last year's race? I think. Hey, I think um, he crashed or that. I think he crashed with Sage yeah. Caramon, I think lap one. So um, th- he's, to me, he's very much an unknown right now. So can he last 500 miles and, and be there at the end? That's, that's a big, big question mark. Um, and then you pointed out Ferrucci, um, who was hurt today. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously, and the car was, uh, you know, pretty badly damaged in the rear end. Um, so either going to a backup car or um, taking a long, long time uh, to get that car fixed. So um, we'll see how the car is doing and we'll see how the driver is doing too. But um, they, they can go one of two ways um, mm-hmm. and it's, probably going to be to the extreme one way or the other so um really quick because i know we're going to get into north carolina let's talk about andretti autosport ryan your quick thoughts on andre that's colton herda the guys who probably have the most entries in there colton herda you got alexander rossi you got stefan wilson ryan hunter ray you've got marco andretti um, Ryan, your quick thoughts on them and then Elliot and then me. My thought is that Andretti's team is going to be the one to contend with Chip Ganassi's team this year. Mm-hmm. Like, while I feel that Chip Ganassi's team is definitely the strongest contender, uh, Andretti this year and the practices and the fact that, you know, a couple of their teams has tasted victory as well. They're hot on their heels and they're not going to give up the 500 without a fight. And we also got Hinchcliffe in there too. I forgot to mention that. Well, let's not forget anybody yeah. now. I I think they're they're going to be the contender for this year. Rossi's always good. He was doing well until he crashed last year. Um, Hunter Ware used usually pulls out. I see these guys as a contender for the pole, front row, and contender for the win that day. Um, Ryan, your or Elliot, your quick thoughts. Um. Andretti has the potential to do well here, mm-hmm. but I have question marks about them this year. Um, just because I feel like they haven't necessarily done all that great um, this year to this point. So while yes, Rossi shown some speed, uh, Hunter Ray's doing well as you know as well. Hinchcliffe is traditionally pretty strong here. Um, it's I need to see more from them before I'm, I'm ready to, to jump in on them as being the number one challenger to Ganassi for, uh, for the crown this year. Um, and then we were ta- also talking about Marco Andretti. He's um, making, I believe, his only IndyCar start this year yes. um, and not really showing a lot of speed today. So um, I think this, this weekend could be a little bit of an uphill um, climb for him. But um, certainly Rossi, Hunter Ray, um, as you pointed out, David, they're, they're probably going to do pretty well. Um, Hinchcliffe has the potential to surprise. Um, yes. But uh, uh, 
at the very least, I think he'll he'll put together a solid run, probably a top ten, top fifteen, um, if uh, nothing bad happens to him. But um, but yeah, that's I think that's as as far as I can think about them right now. I definitely agree. So one one other thing, I just want to go over the uh, quickly the other teams. Um, Simona de, de Silvestro is with Parada, the all women team, or um, the all female team. I mean, Sage Karam, Dreyer Reinbold. Uh, you've got Dale Coin with Fido, Pietro Filipaldi, um, and Ed Jones and Ed Carpenter, Renus VK. Um, and Connor Daly, our, our Ed Carpenter Racing, Carlin has Max Chilton, and the Top Gun Racing is R.C. Anderson. Uh, gentlemen, I, we could probably all agree that we probably won't see a surprise out of this, and out of this group, more than likely, we could see somebody missing or um, not having a good race day. W- would you guys agree uh, really quick? Yeah, I think Anderson's got a, um, a long climb ahead of him just to make the field. Um, he's been, uh, I mean, he's a rookie um, and, you know, Indy 500 is a, a tough place for, for a rookie to, to do well, um, especially with a, with a one car team. So, um, so I think just making the show will be a big deal for him. Um, Simona Di Silvestro, they've shown, I think, enough speed to make the show. Um, whether or not they'll they'll do anything more than that, you know, will be kind of debatable. I think uh, maybe a top 25 will will be good for them, uh, will be a good day for them. Um, Ed Carpenter's teams, I mean, they traditionally do well here. I mean, uh, you know, Carpenter himself sat on the pole um, for this race uh, uh, some years ago. Um, so, you know, this team knows how to get it done on, on ovals and, and, um, you know, they can do, they have the potential to do something on, on, uh, um, on Sunday, but, um, but we'll see about them. What was the other team, David? Uh, Dale Coyne, um, with Phil Pauly and Ed Jones. I mean, they, they're, I, I'll step in, I, I'll step in and, and mention, I, I think Pietro will do well. And I think that they're going to be a middle of the pack team for sure. Um, with I mean, with that said, uh, we'll, we'll touch base more of this in our um, green segment when we talk about qualifying and carb day coming up and maybe throw some picks in on who we think will take the poll and who might miss. But Elliot, we had some big news out of North Carolina. Yes, sir. Um, so, um, a couple of episodes ago in our two-parter, uh, episode 16, part one, we talked about, um, we talked briefly about the so, kind of some of the inertia building around North Wilkesboro in particular, um, and some, some efforts that appeared underway behind closed doors that had been briefly touched on on Twitter, um, to do something with that speedway, to do something with that with that place, um, and restore it to its once former glory. So, um, in particular, Marcus Lemonis pledging a, a million dollars to get it going, um, or to get something going. Marcus Smith saying, "We haven't forgotten about the place." 
So that was a few weeks ago. Fast forward to this past week, um, a, um, a proposal was released um, by um, North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper um, talking about how the state is going to spend their uh, American Rescue Plan money, um, which amounts to $5.7 billion. It's a lot of money. Um, so there's there's a lot of things that are going on in the state and a lot of things that um, uh, that you know the state needs to spend money on uh, to help uh, kind of uh, kind of help right the ship in the state. There's a lot of um, there's still a lot of economic strength here, but there's there's some areas where um, there's there's some help needed, especially coming out of the uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, but one um, one particular piece of this plan that turned a lot of heads, um, and especially in the motorsports industry, um, was a two-page proposal um, that, uh, well, three-page, um, three-page proposal um, that outlined some money that would be spent to invest in the infrastructure of the three major speedways in North Carolina. And that includes Charlotte, and that those three speedways are specifically Charlotte Motor Speedway, the Rock Speedway and Entertainment Complex in Rockingham, formerly Rockingham Speedway, and North Wilkesboro Speedway, each of whom would get $10 million a piece. Additionally, another $10 million in grants would go to motorsports and outdoor event opportunities, and then another $5 million going to create a cultural um, tourism trail, um, a natural and cultural tourism trail that um, uh, details the um, evolution of motorsports from moonshine to motorsports of what we have today. So that was a, a huge announcement um, and especially for Rockingham and for North Wilkesboro, neither of whom have seen a whole lot of racing action in recent years. Um, you know, Rockingham more, more recently than uh, North Wilkesboro. North Wilkesboro was um, scanned virtually and put into the iRacing platform. Um, but um, to hear this now, um, that this money is at least being proposed by the governor's office, to um, to work on the infrastructure for this um, you know for these tracks, but especially for Rockingham and for North Wilkesboro is a huge huge deal. Um, and a couple of points of note in this report, I'm looking at um, the um, uh, the governor's proposal, and I'm, I'm uh, pulling some points out of this. Um, they they also note that motorsports is a leading tourism generator. In North Carolina. It's a $5 billion industry. And they're citing a report um, that was released from uh, the Belk College of Business Administration at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Uh, this was written in 2004, 2003, uh, 2004. Um, and um, at the time, they valued the economic impact of the motorsports industry to North Carolina, 
to North Carolina's economy of five, $5 billion. So a lot of money then and, and now for sure. Um, and also noting that the Charlotte Motor Speedway in and of itself brought in over a million, uh, 1 million visitors to its events in 2019. And that before the pandemic, the speedway, just the speedway, generated more than that one speedway generated more than $25 million in state and local tax revenue per year. So the governor's in just for Charlotte Motor Speedway, and that that complex is spending $10 million to get that and more back in taxes annually. So, um, so there's a lot of people that are, um, are very, very interested in this, as you might imagine. Um, also, as you might imagine, the pandemic has hit um, that area very hard. Um, the county that Charlotte Motor Speedway resides in, Cabarrus County, uh, they lost over $24 million in hotel revenue. Um, and that equates to a loss of, of a shade over half a million dollars in local taxes. So um, that was, uh, was not good for them. But um, that's, that's got a lot of people talking. Um, and so we'll see what, um, uh, what happens with that. It's, it's um, also worth noting that um, according to the governor's proposal, um, a non-state match, and I'm quoting this directly from the report um, or from the, uh, the proposal, a non-state match of at least $1 for every $4 from the state is required to receive funding. County governments will partner with venues to fund needed infrastructure, including but not limited to the following, water and wastewater extensions, pedestrian walkway enhancements, speedway repaving, upgrades to facilities and dragways, if applicable, bathroom fixtures and maintenance, grandstand repair, and erosion control. So it sounds like based on this proposal that um, the governor is saying, hey, we'll put up some, some money to make this happen, but we need the counties to step up, um, you know, either counties or, or somebody other than us to step up and put some skin in the game as well. So um, there's the potential that more than $10 million could be um, uh, invested in each of these, um, these properties. So that's, that's huge news. Um, and um, I'll be curious to, to hear um, both of your thoughts here in a second. But um, from, from my point of view, I think it's a wise investment in um, a known um, economic engine, um, pun intended, <laughs> um, to, to this state. Um, you know, North Carolina is NASCAR country. It's racing country. And um, I think that's, that's something that um, even uh, something as, as, um, as brutal as politics um, can agree on. As a matter of fact, um, uh, in the the, uh, the teeth of the pandemic uh, last year, House Speaker Tim Moore, a Republican, asked Governor Cooper, a Democrat, um, to um, allow the Coca-Cola 600 to go on as scheduled during Memorial Day weekend in Charlotte. And this is according to IndieWeek.com, uh, an article written by Jeffrey Billman. Um, so 
um, he said in his uh, letter to the governor at the time, allowing NASCAR to return Memorial Day weekend without fans would not only benefit the motorsports industry that calls our state home, it would mark a re-beginning for North Carolina's tourism, entertainment, and service industries that are desperate for business. So um, with that in mind, I think you're going to see some, some bipartisan interest and cooperation in getting this, uh, this particular piece of the package uh, passed and approved. And uh, if other um, government entities, be it county, local, whatever the case, um, jump in, then dispersed and, and uh, going from there. Um, and so I think that's, that's a, a really positive step to see. Um, additionally, besides uh, the, um, uh, the, the economic benefits that are brought in from individual uh, uh, auto races themselves, you've also got all of the other things that uh, these venues can do. We've seen at Charlotte Motor Speedway, for example, them being able to host multi-day music festivals um, and to do so with, with, um, uh, with pretty good success, having a lot of people there um, and, uh, and enjoying uh, an, an outdoor concert um, and a multi-day outdoor concert event. They tried to do this at Rockingham a couple of years ago um, but uh, the weather didn't really cooperate for them, uh, and they were kind of beset by uh, some logistical issues as well, traffic problems and things of that nature. Um, so I don't believe they've done anything like that since. Obviously, the pandemic hasn't helped. Um, but um, I say all that to say that um, these places, they're, they're outdoor event venues. Uh, it's a wide open place that you can have. Um, have events where a lot of people can come. Um, and, you know, especially coming out of the pandemic, if it's an outdoor environment, you know, I could potentially um, uh, people be maybe be more comfortable um, going to an outdoor event as opposed to an indoor event, possibly. Um, and also with that, you get the sales tax revenue of tickets sold, concessions, et cetera, coming back to the state. And, um, paying the state back for the money that they put in. So, uh, so those are my thoughts right now, but um, for all of the interest in getting uh, North Wilkesboro Speedway um, and that property, um, something, something happening with it um, and some, you know, something being done there, there's a lot of local interest in that area too um, in, in getting something going there. Um, I believe the um, the county and a lot of the um, the local populace up there have rallied around the uh, the slogan "We want you back," um, meaning uh, they want to see the speedway reopen and um, and to get racing going there again, to get events going there again. Um, that's that's a very big deal for Northwestern North Carolina in particular. In addition to Rockingham as well, that's that's a, a big deal for them too. Uh, so with that, gentlemen, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts. So I, I just got a quick question to ask, Elliot. What was that match? I, I was doing some quick math while you were talking. You said one buck for every four from the state? 
That is correct. Um, okay. It's so, a non-state match of at least $1 for every $4 from the state. Oh, okay. So if it's oh, $10 million, I, I, that's yeah, I, I, 2.5. That's, that, that's, that's, that's what I was figuring was, was that. Was, yeah. um, was the 10 million. So that's 12 and a half there. And the, the thing is, I mean, the interesting thing is, is I, you know, I, I, you know, I think this is a, a definitely a good idea, um, especially because of the push of North Wilkesboro and people want that track fixed up. Uh, the, the people who own SMI have that property. They want to get fixed up. There's been that cry for it. Um, that, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, 10 million there would, you know, it, you know, would do some, but you're probably looking over 10 million, but guaranteed the campaigning that's going on, you'd see a lot more match for that. I, I could see um, somebody like a Marcus Limones saying, Hey, you know, for every, you know, I, you know, if you may, you know, if you've got a um, non-state match of one buck for every four from the state, I'll come in and maybe match the rest of the three, you know, and, the, and you could have 20 million right there easily, you know, but with that said, it, you know, I think it'll be very interesting with that. Um, the other, the other thing that I, you know, I, I think it, it's really good. And I, I'm glad this is, I'm glad they're doing this because I wish somebody would have did this in New York state a few years ago. The, the case in point, and I'm about to give a, a um, very big example here. And, and you talk about, you mentioned about politics and that, and um, you know, even though we try you know, not getting into the politics of, of racing here on this podcast, but, we had a political situation in New York State a few years ago, i.e., Super Dirt Week and the New York State Fair grounds. Um, that was the only big event they had at that mile-long racetrack. Was one week in October, had hundreds of cars, and the county here, Onondaga County was getting about 10 to $12 million off that week. Much more than any other event at that, at that, at the New York state fairgrounds. They wanted to tear the track down. Um, they wanted to do it and they said they would, they were going to implode the stands and they didn't have a plan. Um, they there was no announcement of what was going to happen. Um, I don't know details for sure, but my idea is because my thought, because they came out about a few weeks before in New York State to say this, uh, before the fair, that it was about Super Dirt Week. World Racing Group, who's in North Carolina, I think threat, told New York State that you 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 got to find us a track or else we're going to pull the 12 million we make and take it out of state, which they could. 
Um, there was talks about tracks in New Jersey. There was tra- there was talk about having it down in Charlotte um, at the dirt track. Um, eventually ended up in Oswego, and Oswego's making a lot of money to improve their city. So my case in point now, my point in this is look at Oswego and getting the money. You improve the tracks. You improve like Rockingham and North Wilkesboro. Charlotte, yes, I, I think Charlotte's going to be more maintenance. Let's make it a little bit better. Let's, you know, get some more traction. Maybe they can do something to the dirt track and the drag strip down there to help bring that up. Um, but North Wilkesboro and Rockingham, you get that money, you get more people contributing. Those towns are going to have a very good successful. And there was a poll I saw recently online. Um, someone took a poll as, as to North Wilkesboro. Do you want asphalt or dirt? Almost 90% said asphalt. So mm-hmm. I think it I think it would be very interesting. I I definitely agree. I I think it's a very smart business move. And I give Roy Cooper a lot of credit. Because um, he's seeing what's important to that that state. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that would happen in other states. Um, I don't think New York State gets that like what Roy Cooper does. Um, we we kind of don't get that as I explained. But yeah, I I definitely think it's good. And looking at that. Um, you know, the numbers you threw out, you know, it is, you know, the, the money they're making, it, it, it's only going to go up from there. And it, if they don't get approved, um, I think you're going to see a lot of people mad. And I think it'll prove easily. Um, that's a possibility, but at the same time, I'm, I'm feeling really good about this for uh, the reasons I talked about before. I th- mm-hmm. think there's a, a bipartisan awareness and interest in yeah. um in motorsports and what it does for the state and and um, that and that's key that yes. that's key because that hasn't happened in new york state yeah, um I'm, I'm, i recall the uh, awareness campaign that uh, i think watkins glenn in particular oh. uh, was trying to raise with politicians in albany about um, it, go ahead the, well yeah i mean people took grace cars to albany and they got pushed aside. They got pushed aside. Yeah, um, and but but I, I will say, um, I, I'm gonna be blatantly honest. Um, it, it's there's some troubling stuff going on, and I think it goes very deep on why the racetracks haven't gotten it and up here, but. To shift back, yeah, I, I mean, bipartisan support, yes. People want, that's what drives North Carolina. That's what drives NASCAR. And all those team shops who will benefit off of this. Yes. And, and who knows? There might be something, you know, you know, that works. Maybe the state can say, guess what? We're going to do this for the teams. You know, you've got teams who you want, you want to get more teams in NASCAR and we want to get grassroots. The next step after this is 
find a way to get more draw to North Carolina with teams? Yes, to some extent. Um, I think, you know, there's already a, a really healthy interest from, uh, you know, not only the number of cup teams, but Xfinity mm-hmm. and even trucks. I think the, the number of uh, the, the truck count for the, the races this year has been up as well. So those are all good things. Um, and yes, continuing to foster and nurture, um, you know, all these teams that participate in these national touring series that bring in a lot of eyeballs, a lot of ratings, um, and a lot of trips to the greater Charlotte area um, where these teams are based um, will, you know, will be helpful and will be economically uh, beneficial. But another part of it is um, focusing on, on some of the grassroots yeah. while, um, you know, you have, while we're talking about all this, um, you know, there are smaller racetracks within the state that, uh, you know, some of whom aren't doing too well. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's at least one I can think of that's no longer here. And that's yeah. uh, Concord Motorsports Park. Um, yeah. That was a, a well-known short track um, east of Charlotte. And uh, they're, uh, you know, they, that track is demolished now. It's no more. So, um, so, so. I, I mean, I, I got a quick question. Now they do Charlotte you think they will definitely put some money into the dirt track because they've got world racing group down there who has the world of outlaws, the super dirt car series. Yep. And and that's a growing movement. It is. But um, at the same time, I think that the dirt track itself is in, is in pretty good shape. Um, I was there in November of 2019, Mm -hmm. um, end of October, first part, actually no first part of November, excuse me. Um, and you know, it's, it's, um, uh, you know, a good facility, um, and, uh, you know, they do a pretty good job with the place. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think there's, you know, they, they might make additions or improvements to it. Um, but I think the condition of that, and then, you know, obviously the dragway, Z-Max dragway, you know, uh, relatively new world-class drag racing facility. So, um, they're, I think they're doing pretty good as well. Again, could there be additions they can make? You know, absolutely. Um, But um, uh, it'll be interesting to see um, what all happens with that. But in addition to, you know, the the public money, David, like you talked about with Marcus Limonis, uh, you know, maybe there might be some private money as well um, that comes in and helps pick up the slack as well, especially if they're going to, you know, create this, um, uh, this heritage trail, this motorsports and moonshine uh, thing, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is going to go from the, the mountains, you know, down through Wilkesboro, through Winston-Salem, where Bowman Gray is, where, you know, that's been a part of the sport for so long. Um, and then, you know, down 77 through Lake Norman, Huntersville, Mooresville, which is Race City, US, uh, Race City USA, um, and then, you know, into the city of Charlotte itself, you know, the, uh, the home base of the sport. So um, here's hoping, I'm, you know, this was uh, um, a, you know, a welcome shot of good news um, for the, the motorsports industry, um, and in particular in North Carolina. Here's hoping. So we've got to um, uh, put the cover on the car and get ready to go racing. We've got the green segment coming up um, for now. We're going to uh, tell you about our sponsor, um, 
for the podcast, and Ryan's going to do that for us. This is From Checker to Green. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Are you looking to get new business design to help yourself stand head and shoulders amongst your competitors? Consider Samurai Graphics. Samurai Graphics has the tech and the knowledge to be able to give your business a fresh new identity to bring in new customers and new business opportunity. From identity design services such as new logos, business cards, and letterheads, to business material design services such as postcards, flyers, labels, things to build up your advertisements and your presence out in the business world, look no further than Samurai Graphics. For more information, contact Samurai Graphics at samuraigraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business design solution. And now we're back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Welcome back. Thank you, Ryan. And we have a green segment for you. We are going to switch it back to the Indy 500. And the racing action we have this weekend, we, we talked about in the last episode about Monaco and Coda, but I wanted to, we wanted to focus about the Indy 500 a little bit um, in, in the green segment. And so with that said, let's, gentlemen, let's talk about the Indy qualifying. And in the last segment, we talked about, we, we've gone through practice. We kind of previewed the field qualifying. I want to tell you about the, l- let me tell you about the rules. And then um, we'll make a couple picks for this. Um, so tomorrow, uh, Saturday, May 21st. Uh, qualifying is going to occur. We are we are actually the schedule for qualifying is start. Um, practice is going to be at nine thirty. Then we're going to have qualifications um, starting at noon, um, and then um, everyone gets one shot at qualifying to make the top nine or the top um, or the last row, um, you know, or midfield or be in the chance for last row. Now, um, granted, we have 35 entries. Nine of those entries will be in the top nine. Five of them will be remaining will have to battle Sunday along with the fast nine for their positions and the last row qualifying and the rest fall in between from 10th to 29th uh, from 10th through 30th so gentlemen with Saturday and then qualifying and then Sunday there's a practice last row qualifying Rule is, is that the five drivers going for it will get a limited attempt from 1.15 to 3 o'clock. Then at 3 o'clock, it will be the fast nine. Those guys get one shot. That's it. And then it's practice. And then 
May 28th will be the um, final practice carb day. So gentlemen, let's talk about the Indy qualifying. Who do you think will take the poll? And who are the two drivers you think will miss the field this year? Elliot, I'll start with you. Well, I think somebody that has ex, um, a lot of experience in in this qualifying format, um, this this high pressure format, uh, especially the fast nine, um, is probably going to be the one that carries the day. Um, obviously, Scott Dixon, you know, you can't uh, you can't start a conversation about who's going to uh, start on the pole without talking about him, and especially given this record here. Um, we talked about Pato Award before um, and how well he's done this year. Polo as well, having won on the on the road course at Indy um, earlier this month. So he has the potential to, to, uh, to do something as well, I think. Um, and all three of these cars have shown some pretty good speed in today's practice. Um, we talked about Sato, um, you know, potentially performing spectacularly. So could he do something? That's, that's a possibility too. Um, I wouldn't sleep on uh, the, uh, the Carpenter racing cars either. Um, you know, it's possible you'd see uh, maybe Ed Jones sneak into the top nine. He's, he showed some good speed today. And, you know, the boss man himself, Ed Carpenter, uh, he sat on the pole here before. He knows how to get it done. So we'll see what, what happens there. In terms of the back part of the field and who, who misses the show, um, I think Ederson is um, uh, the odds for him making the race are not very good. Um, and so I think he's probably going to be one of them. Uh, after that, you've got uh, uh, the um, uh, you've got some of the, the AJ Foyt cars and you've got um, uh, Simone de Silvestre's team as well. And, you know, where they, um, uh, you know, will they, uh, Number one, be able to have enough speed to avoid um, the the last row shootout. I think they may. Um, I think um, at the very least, I think they'll they'll uh, they'll make the show. Um, so I don't think they're they're going to go home. Um, I think it's probably unfortunately going to be one of the AJ Foyt cars. Um, I don't necessarily think they've uh, you know shown a lot of speed thus far. Um, uh, I'm looking at uh, Dalton Kellett, uh, the four car. Uh, he hasn't really done really well this uh, uh, during the month of May so far. Um, the um, the practice sessions thus far. Um, so I'm I'm kind of looking at him. Also, maybe Sebastian Bourdais. Uh, he hasn't really had a um, an impressive start to uh, the uh, the 500 either. So. Um, so we'll see what happens, but uh, I think those are, I'm thinking either Bourdais, Colette, um, and probably Anderson um, will be the, um, uh, it'll be two of those three probably that, that don't make the field this year. Ryan, you, I mean, those are definitely good picks. Ryan, your, your thoughts? Uh, I know that the obvious choice for the poll is Scott Dixon with his consistently stellar performance throughout the practices and much as I'd like to argue that 
there's a couple, especially ones that have already won the season who have that competitive spirit to possibly, you know, take a spot up there like your Alex Palu or your Colton Herta. I I just don't see someone in the qualifying knocking Scott Dixon out of the pole. I really don't. I think he's coming in the hottest driver, and I think he's got the consistent performance skill to pull that out. Now, as far as the, the bottom portion, I have to agree with Elliot. I think as much as I like a good underdog story, I R.C. Anderson, I just don't see him making it this year. It's, it's sad because, you know, as the rookie, he's got the hunger, but I, I think the, the car he's got under him and the fact that he's kind of new to this, I just don't see him making it this year, which is kind of sad. And the other one I agree with Elliot on is Sebastian Bourdais. Honestly, I really thought he could do better than this coming into the 500. But unfortunately, his lackluster performance, I think, may cost him a position in the race this year. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, you know, I, I'm thinking here and I look, you know, my thoughts for the poll you know, Dixon, for sure, I actually kind of got a few of them. I think Dixon, for sure, could have the poll. He's going to be the clear favorite. But remember, within the conditions, if it's really hot, um, so when they do the fast nine, it's at 115. It's going to be hot. If there's no cloud cover, those speeds are lower. Um, so, but there's cloud cover, there's going to be faster. So it's good. I mean, it's kind of playing chess here. Um, I mean, mean, that's what makes Indy Indy is is it's, you know, there, there's no textbook. It's, you know, you gotta see what happens. Um, but I think, um, Dixon for sure. I, I think, um, you know, Tony Kanan could have it. He's shown some glimpse of speed. Um, and how good would that 48 be? Um, you know, if, if Kanan has a very successful Indy 500, uh, this could be Ganassi's break to get a fourth team going. Um, he kind of wants to, you know, see, try to get Jimmy Johnson to hang around a few year, few more years. Um, you've got Tony Kanan, um, so very well experienced. So that that would be really good for him. I also think Colton Her and Alexander Rossi have a very good shot at the pole, um, if not front row for sure. Because um, Rossi always comes out on qualifying day. He's come out on the fast nine. He comes out on race day. He's, um, I know they've had, he's had not had the best of luck this year, but um, that's what happened last year. And Indy kind of, you know, was starting to be his turnaround until he crashed, but he, he's always good. It's a track that he knows. And Colton Hur has done pretty well at Indy and I think could could be be a shot for the pole with Andre, who I think could miss. Um, I think Al Foyt, Kimball, or, or Sebastian Bourdais. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with Bourdais this year. Um, I, I 
really think that his indie career is almost over. Um, I don't think he will be be with Foyt next year. If he doesn't have a good 500, I don't know if Foyt carries him throughout the rest of the year, considering the incidents he's gotten into, the, the damage he's put to cars. Um, I just, you know, if he doesn't make it, I think his indie career's done. Um, and I think he starts becoming a one offer um, at best. Um, Charlie Kimball, maybe. Um, it, you know, one, I don't see Foyt putting four cars in the field. Um, RC Anderson, I, I agree with you guys. He's just been at the bomb, but. If he catches the right break, um, I mean, that's the thing about bump day is a limited chances, last row, you get the surprises. He could surprise and get in. Um, I think Ferrucci, I, I raised some concern too with his injury. We'll see how he does. Um, and I think Marco Andre could miss. I just, I, I think Marco has other could could have other things on his mind. Dirt car racing, he's doing sports car with his cousin. Um, it, it could very well be that that you know if Marco misses it, this may be his last shot too at Indy, um, and an Indy career. So that's what I think. Um, Gentlemen, we, we, we will also have Carb Day. Um, when, when we record um, next week, we will have Carb Day results. That's an interesting practice. We know we will have 33 drivers. We'll have pit stop competition. Um, and you get some surprises out of that. But, you know, that's what's coming up at Indy this week um, is qualifying Carb Day the adrenaline starts to pick up. It, it gets closer. And I think we're going to, I think what we see Saturday and tomorrow is going to tell us a lot about how the field is going to be on Sunday, on, on that Sunday for the 105th running. Um, gentlemen, any other thoughts before we, uh, about Indy qualifying? Only thing um, I got is, as every year, I always hold out for that one surprise. And while I don't think he's going to do it, I'd really like to see Anderson be that surprise this year. I uh, that would be great, especially for that racing team. Yep, I agree. Um, and as far as weather goes, um, so tomorrow saturday um according to the national weather service um in indianapolis they're looking for partly sunny skies um so that's good that's we good. talk about cloud cover um you know and the sun going in and out during the day and um you know how much of an impact that has on track conditions that'll be a big deal mm-hmm. um and then uh sunday uh skies clear out a little bit. Um, it looks to be mostly sunny and, and uh, both days you've got highs uh, between 85 and 90. Um, so it's going to be going to be pretty warm uh, uh, both days for sure. So with that, 
I'm going to say you're going to see that you, it's going to be very interesting tomorrow. It's um, what I mean, the qualifying order has been drawn. It is going to be very, very interesting on who's going to catch the break. Because if you get one cloud, someone you may not know may knock a favorite out of that top nine. And if they catch it early enough, it could hold for a while. So that's going to be very interesting. I'm going to look more forward to Sunday because if it's clearing out that fast nine might just go right in order. You, you're not going to see much shifting, Mm -hmm. but if you get a cloud, if, if it is cloudy when they run, then you're going to see a lot of shifting. And that'll be interesting for last row with unlimited attempts because that's where the strategy is going to come in is who's going to um, same thing. If there's cloud cover, someone might say, I'm yanking my time to see if I can put up a faster time to just secure it. And this is where this is where strategy is going to play for like R.C. Anderson if he hasn't locked himself into the top um or if he hasn't locked himself into 10th through 30th on saturday so with that said we we've had a good show here it is time we've got to wrap it up here and it is time for final thoughts elliot take it away very good thank you david um so before i get in my thoughts about um some events uh, that occurred at indy today want to share this um this tweet that came out from uh, Save the Speedway. That's uh, the uh, uh, Twitter account that uh, tracks things that are going on with North, North Wilkesboro Speedway. Um, we talked about Marcus Limonis um, on our spotlight here just a minute ago. Um, and David, you were talking about the, the possibility that he may, you know, he might put more, more money in than just a million dollars. Well, indeed, he went on uh, Sirius XM uh, with David Moody, and uh, among other things, stated, I want to build, and I'm, uh, this is a, a direct quote, I want to build a small store there, and so the $1 million is really the scratch of what I'm willing to put into that facility. So, wow. <laughs> um, oh. So that's um, uh, certainly some, uh, some big news, um, and uh, uh big late breaking news um, wow. to, come out of, uh, to come out of today. So it, it, uh, it, it, he, he does that. It's, I, 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 I'm, I'm starting to get giddy here about this. I, I see North Wilkesboro back in a couple of years. Uh, it's a possibility. I think it'll be more than a couple of years. I think it'll probably be, um, you know, it'll be maybe 2024, 2025, assuming that, um, you know, you, you have plans in place, permits, and mm-hmm. groundbreak, uh, groundbreaking happening within the next year or so. It, I, th- it, I think it, it's, it's, it's going to take a while. That, that, it, that place needs a lot of help. If I'm Roy Cooper, I pull out all the stops. Yep. I, would, I would make that numero uno. Yep. Um, and, you know, the, um, 
that is one thing about North Carolina. There's a lot of um, companies moving here, businesses moving here. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, North Carolina has, has a team of, of people um, that are very adept at um, getting people to set up shop here, getting people to do things here um, uh, uh, economically. So, um, so we'll see what happens. But this, there's, there's certainly um, a lot of inertia developing here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, getting back to um, a thought that I had about uh, something that happened earlier today, we were talking before about um, at the, uh, the beginning, I believe, of uh, yesterday's practice or today's yes. practice. Yesterday's. Yesterday's. There was a um, uh, kind of a botched photo shoot that uh, happened with the uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan cars. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, they slowed up abruptly coming off of turn four, uh, which led to um, a couple of other cars getting together. And I believe it was um, uh, Colton Herta um, that got into the wall. Um, it didn't affect him too much today. He looked pretty fast, looked, looked like he had some good speed to him. But um, the fact of the matter is that um, you're, you have uh, three cars that are slowing down and are spreading out um, on a hot track, um, you know, a track that's green for competitive laps uh, to me is um, an unacceptable lapse in, uh, in safety. Mm-hmm. And so I think whoever that individual is that thought that would be a good idea um, should be fired and or uh, removed from uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway grounds at, for the very minimum this year. Um, because uh, if you want to do a photo shoot like that, where you know, you're, you're uh, spreading the cars out, um, you do like what Roger Penske's teams did um, and do it during a session where you, there are no competitive laps. You're just you know, getting stuff kind of settled out and settled in or whatever. Um, no matter how much Bobby Rahal may, uh, uh, may protest the, um, the consequences that came of yesterday's actions, which were those three cars sat out the first 30 minutes of today's practice. Um, or the other thing is um, you go to Le Mans with three cars and you sweep the top three positions. And then just like in uh, Ford versus Ferrari, you spread them out at the end and you know you you have them all across the the finish line at that time but you do it at the end you don't do it at the beginning and during an active um uh uh during a racetrack session where there where there are competitive laps happening that's unacceptable and here's hoping we never see that again I, Ryan, your take, and then I'll give my thoughts on that. Yeah, uh, honestly, I think Elliot put it as eloquently as anybody really can. Honestly, I think if, you know, they want to consider doing that sort of thing, structure is important, especially that kind of structure. And uh Pesky being the intelligent businessman that he is, I think he'll realize that really quick. So, you know, I I gotta say it is a it, it, it's a stupid move to do. You know, I 
I you know I know the Penske team kind of set the the precedent of that, but you know it all you had to do was ask a official. You you go over there, you tell the chief steward, you, you tell the IndyCar officials, we want to try this. They're either going to tell you yes or no, or they're going to book time. And when other cars on the track, they're going to warn the other drivers of it. And it was stupid. You don't just do it on the fly and not on a hot track. It, it was stupid. It was bonehead. It it could have wrecked a bunch of cars. It could have took out some good competitors. You could have had a very, very serious crash. And that's why the structures are as important as they are. And like you said, Dave, all you had to do was just go and ask one simple yeah. question. And we could have had this all squared away in 30 to 45 seconds tops. Yeah, most certainly. But I think if they want to do that... And this is, I'm going to make this point, and this is what bothers me. Then why don't you let the other teams do that? If you're going to do that, you say, okay, you guys want to start a new tradition of a photo op of your car at the line of bricks? Either bricks. Yard of bricks, sorry. Yard of bricks. Either parked or coming to take a lap and we could simulate a green flag. Um, I would, I would say then Indy should block that time, block a timeout for that. Yeah, Where and, it, and do that during the week sometime. Um, yeah, do it on the first day when it's just rookie orientation and warm-up do it the first day that's a really good point yeah and don't that, don't do it mid bleeping week <laughs> yeah 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 you can't be doing that you know especially the day you know uh day before you're you're turning up the boost you know yeah it's stupid it is it, it is i you but i will say the person who I give them the credit for the best thing this year, and I will give it to the ward for the most creative, is Peretta Racing and what they did. Now, this is an all-female team. Yep. They took their car, parked it on the bricks in a quiet session, brought everyone over, on that team, including the, their driver, Simona. And they took a photo op. Why can't you what, do that? Do that mm -hmm. if you want photo ops at the, at the yard of bricks. Mm -hmm. So with that, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, very hot subject. And um, I agree that person needs to be canned. And if, if that's Bobby Rahal's decision to do that, then um, I, Bobby, you're smarter than that. Come on. <laughs> Please. Yeah. No, there has to be some accountability for that. There's no other way about it. Yeah, mm -hmm. most certainly. Yep. So, um, so with that said, um, here's hoping for a, um, 
a much smoother remainder of the uh, Indy 500 festivities. Um, and obviously we got qualifying coming up in the coming days, carb day as well. And then the running of the 500 uh, next Sunday. Um, so it's going to be, you know, that's, uh, we talked about it um, in episode number 17, how big of a day that is for motorsports. So it's going to be a fun day. Uh, we're going to take a look some more at that. Um, this, uh, this next episode, number 19, uh, next Friday. Um, but uh, for now, uh, that puts a wrap on uh, episode number 18. The green is out and uh, we're, uh, we're ready to go race. And so uh, for me, Elliot Tardif, thank you very much for listening. Um, please drop us a line on, uh, on what you think about our, um, about our show and uh, anything else uh, you'd like to hear from us. Um, we'd love to hear from you. So thanks very much for, um, for listening this evening and we'll catch you on the next one. I'm David Marty. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Continue to listen to us and, and follow us on the social media page. We, we appreciate you, your fans, and we are also looking for some sponsors as well. This is Ryan Kolpak. As always, we appreciate everyone that listens to us. We hope you join our chat on our social media, and we'll catch you on the next round. Thanks for listening to the Checkered to Green podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green podcast. (laughs) 